0: The Growing Access to Environmental Sustainability, or GATES Act, seeks to reduce the barriers that producers face in accessing agricultural conservation programs. Congressman John Duarte, a farmer from California, is on the coalition behind the act. He says the current adjusted gross income limitation of $900,000 disproportionately limits producers with high input costs from participating in certain USDA conservation-focused programs. The congressman joins me on the phone this week I'm Sabrina Halverson. Let's get into this week's Agnet Weekly. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I wanted to talk to you about the Gates Act, and um, I just read the, I guess it was yesterday or earlier this week, I read the, the news release about this. Tell me about the Gates Act and what our listeners need to know.
1: Well, this is a a, um, a bill that I'm co-leading with Representative Jimmy Panetta. So We've got bipartisan leadership on this bill, and we're just getting rid of some silly stuff that keeps, you know, good-sized family farmers from, you know, being incentivized by the programs that incentivize um, many farmers to participate in the Conservation Reserve Program or the Environmental Quality Incentives Programs or even the Conservation Stewardship Programs. Currently, there's a $900,000 um, adjusted gross income limitation. So that sounds like a lot of money, but if you're in a farming operation, a family farm can have a good year make over $900,000 and be in a position to make some of these types of investments, but be disqualified from the incentives to be able to do that. And so um, in a broad sense, we want farmers doing these things, whether it's the Conservation Reserve Program or the EQIP or the um, Conservation Stewardship. These are things that are good for the communities and, and you know good for sustainability in general. So we don't want to block out larger farmers from being able to participate in these important programs.
0: I know that with some other programs when, you know, there's those AGI limits, they can sometimes disproportionately uh, affect specialty crop growers just because of how, um, you know, the businesses are different from, uh, you know, row crops. Is that the case here or not?
1: No, that's very, very much the case. If you look at a, a viable farming operation, you know, over towards Jimmy's area, Um, in the Salinas Valley or along the coast there, you could easily run into a a broccoli or a greens or a um, vegetable grower over there running up against these these limits. And to be competitive in that industry, these vertical family farms have to reach a certain size. You know, if they're going to serve the larger grocery chains, if they're going to have a cold storage, a marketing desk, a grower pack, shipper model, they're going to need to reach a certain critical mass, so they're just not going to be relevant. And in the in the Central Valley where I farm, there's a lot of families who've vertically integrated over the years. They they may have an almond growing huller sheller as well as a uh, marketing shipping operation in almonds. Uh, they may have a large dairy, and to be viable these days, a lot of dairy operations are getting above you know 1,000 cows can be a smallest dairy in California these days. 5,000 cow, cow dairy is not unheard of. My grandfather's both had 20 cow dairies, so. It's just important that we kind of adopt these, these programs to the realities of the marketplace we have. And, and California agriculture is outgrowing the uh, limits placed in these, in these programs.
0: You know, there's been so much talk in the, in the current administration, especially about conservation programs and a lot is revolving around conservation programs. So how important is it to make these programs accessible to every farmer?
1: Well, it's, it's important to make them accessible to every farmer. We don't want any small farmers that want to get into the business not to have access to the same advantages or the same incentives that larger farmers have. But when we start looking at the overall goals, for instance, under the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, we want to protect our groundwater. And so we may want to have an equip program for a large grower to put in recharge basins. Or we may want to have an equip program for a large grower to use microirrigation drip or small sprinklers instead of flood irrigation, or we might want to have a program where a large grower can put in the capital infrastructure needed to access surface water to a farm that has previously only only been irrigated with groundwater so that when we have surface water years like we did this year in California, when there's abundant surface water, these large growers can access that surface water, recharge it, use it on their crops, and protect the groundwater for all farmers for drier times. And so if we don't include the largest growers in these, in these programs, we don't really get the economic impact that, that's the potential there. Small growers are oftentimes taken care of, and, and we've done things in the past like set up separate accounts for organic or small growers to make sure that all of these programs aren't exhausted before the, the smaller growers can get access to the resources they need from these programs. And, and that can be very important as well.
0: And you've already got quite a bit of support for this. Uh, I believe that there was support also coming from Colorado and Oregon. And uh, do you expect to have, and this seems like a a pretty, you know, pretty simple cut and dry act. Um, Do you expect to have any opposition to it?
1: I don't know. You know, we want to keep these programs, I call it kind of clean. I don't want to load it up with a bunch of you know, vague, sustain- these are sustainability programs, so sometimes the ESG sustainability program can get very vague and and undefined. Um, a lot of times the DEI requirements can, can get these resources going to places where they're not having as much impact for reasons other than just creating sustainability in our farm communities. So we don't know what, um, what wrangling is left to be done to make sure that this is just a very simple bill that allows... Um, growers that have, you know, over $900,000 in adjusted gross income in a previous year to participate in the sustainability programs. Um, Another another emerging issue in California is there's a lot of land down the South Valley, down in the Westlands Water District, where we just don't have the water resources flowing down there. We're trying to do a lot here in Congress to rationalize the Endangered Species Act to create groundwater sustainability programs so they can more reliably rely on the groundwater in the future, if, if we have the conservation reserve program opened up, um, instead of some of these growers putting in hundreds of thousands of acres of solar panels or selling a um, development um, conservation reserve on the property that doesn't allow it to be farmed or developed in the, you know, in the forever future, they can participate in the conservation reserve program and do a 10 to 15 year contract and then come back and, um, and redeploy that land into farming and food production when when we solve some of these ecological issues and so we we really want to make sure that as, as these changes are happening very very fast in some areas um in California and around the country that we don't shut out growers who who, who immediately need access to these programs to keep our food system viable into the future
0: yeah and uh, you know and no no offense to present company but government isn't really known for moving quickly sometimes when it when it needs to so having these.
1: Well, that's why I'm thankful that that Representative Panetta, you know, he he had this this idea. He came to he came to me, and it's like, yeah, this is obvious. I I can I can clearly see why this is an important uh, step to take. And so so we partnered on this. I'm very very happy that we can start off with this as a bipartisan um, co-led effort, and then we can add Republican supporters: David Rouser, Chuck Edwards, Lori Chavez, Dreamer. On, on our side, Jim Cost is a co-sponsor. On the Democrat side, um, we're we're adding every day, and and I think if we keep communicating it properly, this will be a a very high likelihood that we'll get this into the into the upcoming farm bill.
0: Great. Is there anything else that you think our listeners should know about this?
1: You know, it it's a nine hundred thousand uh, dollar limit that we're going past, so long as the individual applying to the grants, the principals in these companies, has at least 75% of their income from agriculture or ag-related enterprises. And so this could be agritourism or it could be processing, packing, shipping. Um, oftentimes there's there's vertically integ- vertical integration with the farming itself. And we want to make sure this is going to real farmers that support the community and that just happen to be of a larger size because... They've been at it a while and they've vertically integrated, they've been very successful. But that's who owns the land, and those are the people that, that can make the decisions to give real sustainability in their in their localities.
0: Thank you once again to Congressman John Duarte. That's this week's Agnet Weekly. I'm Sabrina Halverson. Thanks for tuning in.